Inside all things Valor Fights. And a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to a post-fight edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Justin Watson. Also joining in tonight, we got the boys at Valor, Jeff Hobbs, as well as Greg Hopkins. We're going to do a little recap and reaction to the Valor 71 card that just went down this Friday night from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe's. We pulled it off. There was some trepidation involved, obviously, with the powers that be and the social distancing rules and whatnot, but uh, we pulled off a great show, man. It was uh, a lot of action. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the crowd was uh, did a great job of kind of staying in their clusters and, uh, you know, it was uh, overall, overall a good night. Had a lot of fights. Ran through them in a pretty quick amount of time and we're going to run through them here tonight as well we're going to go over our picks that we made last week as we start a new quarter of uh, a picks panel uh record keeping if you will and then uh from there we will uh do a rundown of the ufc uh 251 card that's this weekend is the first fight island card so that's exciting it's a stacked card the main card anyway is, is super good so uh, let's get into it, guys. Uh, Justin, you've got our, our stats coming into this, um, and we'll just kind of go with them, uh, you know, as we go fight by fight. Uh, I'm going to start off with the uh, the preliminary combat grappling. We had three matches. I'm just going to cover all three of those here uh, at the same time for uh, brevity's sake. Uh, started off with the, uh, the, the bigger, older guys. It was the real Bulldog, Robert Davis, taking on the Hammer of Justice, Darren Hastings. Back and forth affair early. Uh, Robert Davis able to get a takedown, but he uh, was reversed and ultimately submitted to the uh, KMAA go-to Von Pruchoke. Six minutes and twenty-two seconds into the ten-minute period, so the Darren Justice, or I'm sorry, the Hammer Justice Darren Hastings uh, picks up the win to start off the night. Second bout was Brian Stonehands Jackson from the Goon Squad, kind of changing it up a little bit, moving on to the grappling circuit. He's known for. For his striking, but uh, he took on uh, the head of the Wolves Den Martial Arts Group, Adam Sylvie, and uh, these guys you could tell were real friendly here. This is these were three very different matches. You know, you had uh, you had the the older guys in the first one that both had their moments, and uh, th- this one it was uh, pretty much all Adam Sylvie. He gets the Americana three minutes and twenty six seconds in, um, and then finally, it, in what my opinion was the most entertaining of the three, even though we didn't get a winner, this one went all ten minutes. It was Hannah Rosario and uh, Emily King going all 10 minutes without a submission. But, man, they slapped the shit out of each other. Both girls had really good moments, a lot of uh, footlock attempts. And, man, that was, uh, that was that was you know, sometimes the combat grappling matches can can get a little stale. But this one this one was fun. Uh, like I said, it was a good uh, a good kind of lead up to uh, Hannah Rosario's pro debut coming up next month against Christina Ricker. Uh, I'm going to go to both Greg and Jeff on this and just your overall thoughts. I'll go to Jeff first. Just overall thoughts on these three. Like I said, very three, uh, very different. All three of these matches uh, kind of played out uh, in their own way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what stood out most to me was uh, Brian Jackson just, I don't know, he was uh, he was on fire, you know, <laughs> the whole the whole night. The whole night. Uh, the whole night. I mean, outside of his grappling match, he was all over the place, uh, grabbing microphones, challenging people, <laughs> challenging anybody that wants to step in the cage and see him. 
Uh, I don't know. We may have to watch his alcohol intake or something. Uh, granted, if Brian Jackson's uh, listening uh, at some point, uh, someone did come out of the crowd and leave their name and phone number because uh, they said they would love the chance to uh, punch you in the mouth. So, um, but, uh, you know, obviously Darren Hastings, you know, pulling off the, the Bon Pru. I mean, I guess this is just going to be a normal thing now at the Joe in Knoxville. Uh, it's going to be par for the course. Uh, everybody at KMAA is uh, probably going to, you know, try to join the Von Prue Club. Um, so it's always even Darren got one, but everybody else at least you thought was about to have one right at, at some point. Uh, but just like you said, man, we've had these uh, combat jujitsu matches, and they haven't delivered in the sense of the rules. This right. was the first time when these two girls. Like it caught your attention. The first open palm, you everyone just said, Oh shit. Like it was, they were brutal. And, uh, you know, Emily finally took enough of them. I remember, you know, just saying out loud, uh, not to their corner, but I was just like, Emily's had about enough of them fucking slaps to the face. <laughs> and she got pissed and started wailing back. I mean, they were. Man, those things are brutal. And if you remember, Boss Rutten made a damn career out of that open palm, you know, punch uh, and slap to the face. And he knocked motherfuckers out with that thing. That is not fun. And that's got to be the most irritating thing just to get to slap the hell out of. Um, so even though there was no uh, victor in that one, that was definitely entertaining because that was the first time we really experienced that aspect of those grappling matches. Uh, most that we've done. They've not really utilized that part of it. They've concentrated on the submissions, but uh, Rosario was not about it. She wanted to get hers in, and uh, Emily got about tired of it and decided to join the club. It was so, one of those things where, you know, a lot of the times you'll see guys like working a submission and they'll use the slap to just kind of like open things up to where they can finish their submission. Hannah was trying to get to positions where she could slap her. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me control your arm for a second so I can get this slap off. Let me. I mean. <laughs> From every position, she was she was getting one, and there was just some that you were like, oh, I mean, they were definitely ooh and ah moments, like oh shit, you know. And, uh, and, you know, I think that uh, you know, if anything, I I feel like Hannah's stock rose a little bit in this because you know she'll be coming in as the underdog against Ricker, and I feel like you know she had a good showing here to where you know I feel like uh, you know the skeptics may may put a little more uh, faith in her uh, going into this next one. She showed a lot of of uh of spunk you know absolutely and it probably detoured some from agreeing to one of these matches because they were probably like fuck that <laughs> greg uh your thoughts on uh, the combat grappling for the evening uh just uh i mean jeff pretty much nailed everything on the head i think that darren hastings maybe should uh stick to the to combat combat jiu-jitsu before he steps back in the mma world i think he's uh he needs to just keep rolling with that right now and uh, see where it goes, and then maybe, you know, migrate back into MMA eventually. Uh, as far as Brian Jackson goes, Jeff Hobbs mentioned that we need to uh, maybe watch his alcohol intake. I think we need to watch his everything intake because that dude is getting fat. He's like 215. <laughs> he would have fought 215. He just got done fighting me at 170 not too long ago. In um, the uh, and the girls, yeah, even uh, Emily came over and sat down at the commentary table, and I just kind of looked at her, and I said, we kind of kind of seen you out of character tonight, didn't we? <laughs> you know, because you got a little – aggravated in that fight and was starting to tee off on her own little uh, slap so I, I like you guys said just to reiterate how exciting uh, the female bout was it was uh 
that was top notch and i hope we get to see more like that because uh seeing somebody like emily king come out of her element and out of character and start to slap back and getting see a little bit of a little bit a little bit of something that we don't usually see out of her i like to see it in hannah man um oh, that girl was brutal dude but uh yeah everything jeff said times two so you got to sit next to Christina Ricker there on commentary. Did it seem like she's starting to get amped up, ready to get in there with Hannah here next month? <laughs> she, she was kind of quiet. She was, I think she was trying her best not to play cheerleader over in the corner. I, I hear that's you. what she was doing. How did our results uh, shake out of that, uh, uh, Justin? Uh, Greg picked up a point with Hastings, <clears throat> and Hobbs picked up a point with Sylvie. And how about – and nobody – Paul didn't get shit? No, no Paul nothing got for Paul. I'm surprised. Draw, I'm surprised we didn't get anybody uh, take the draw on the females. Paul, Paul, Paul took. Paul, Paul took. Paul took the draw on Sylvie Jackson. Uh, yeah, he took, he took Hannah in. Uh, in that. I got in that one. Okay. Cool. I just really didn't know enough about Rosario, uh, you know, to to make that call uh, as a possible draw. I thought for sure Emily would be able to pull off a submission at some point. Moving on to uh, to the fights here. We had one uh, entry-level uh, tie fight here to open us up here. And it was, uh, man, it was it was a wild one. I, I didn't envy Jimmy Neely's position as the referee in there because it was a bit of a damn mess. It was uh, it was Gabe Tayara from a Combat Performance in uh, Hendersonville, North Carolina, when Nick Martino's people's taking on the debuting young Landon Peppers out of Agogi Combatives. And, uh, man, Peppers, he's uh, all action. He comes forward. He, uh, he, he throws hard. Uh, he's a little, a little wild, a little out of control. But that said, uh, Teyard was, was, was moving kind of funky throughout that whole fight. It was really just, just very much chaos uh, throughout that whole thing. Uh, ended up being a, um, uh, an illegal knee early uh, that caused a stop in the action. And we had some headgear malfunctions. And then finally, Teyard ended up twisting his, his knee somehow and had an injury stoppage uh, late in the first round. So young Landon Peppers gets a, a, a technically a TKO win in his debut. Probably not the way that he really wanted things to go down, but I'm sure he'll take the experience. We'll go to you for uh, your reaction, Greg. Well, at uh, the beginning of that bout, you know, I've, I've got to train with Landon Peppers a little bit, man, not a whole lot. Uh, he's a big kid. He's only like 18, I believe. I think he just turned like 18. But I could be wrong, I think. But I know he's young and, and – uh, but the beginning of that fight with uh, Tara, man, like he was like kicking and literally 180 turning around and running, like yeah. thinking that that was that was going to happen for him. But that cage is not very big. There's not a lot of space in there to run like that, and then especially turning your back to your opponent like that, take it off running. The guy with the experience in there against the debut was kicking and running. He wasn't kicking and still squaring up with his opponent. He was literally kicking and running. And once he did that, I think at one point in time in there. He posted his foot, he twisted, tried to run. I think Peppers might have kicked him. And then he just went straight down and started yelling and uh, yelling and cussing and screaming. And if I just may reiterate, I know that, you know, we have, you know, you're frustrated, you get you, you get hurt, and you work so hard. I understand that. But there's some point in time when after the, you know, the drapes are closed and everything's said and done, when you're walking out of the cage, you don't need to be screaming obscenities. You know, we still have family and children there. I'm not, you know, just – Sorry, but like you know, I can understand. It, but I don't know. Uh, did we ever get any X-rays done on that kid's knee, or is he just? Is, is he he to him said, him he's, since then? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. It looks swollen. He did post a picture on social media, and it did look swollen. The doctor said that he thought it, it felt okay, 
Um, I don't know, man. It was really just a weird situation. I went back and I watched it. And at first, when it first happened, I thought he hit, maybe he slipped on the vinyl in the middle. But he started favoring it back when he, his back was against the cage. There was a kick. Yes, a he kick. did. There was a leg kick that that kind of buckled him, and he started kind of favoring at that point. And then when he got up to the middle is when he fell. So he, it, he'd he already incurred whatever damage it was before he got to the vinyl in the middle. Yeah. I mean, regardless, I'd like to see him come back. You know, I mean, like, I want to see him, you know, try to regain that, try to get back, you know, get a bit more, more polished up on his stand-up and uh, you learn how to stand and stand and, you know, not run away like that because I think that's ultimately the main reason, you know, with that kick you mentioned prior to the twisting and he took – he did take that shot. I think it was a left kick. I'm not sure, but yeah. I mean, I hope to see him back soon. But hats off, and I hate that that overshadows the win, the win of Peppers on his debut fight as you know a kickboxer. You know, much how that was. You know, hats off to him. He came prepared and he was ready, and uh, it looked like he was ready to go the full three. So uh, excited to see Landon come back too. I don't know if he is he looking to be on the Chattanooga card or. It's, it sounds like uh, it sounds like we may have uh, some brother action in the uh, the Chattanooga card. Looks like Hank and Landon bo- uh, both both. We'll be on that one. Justin, uh, how would we come out on that one? Who are you sending selfies to, Hobbs? What's that? Who are you sending selfies to? Uh, what? what are you talking about? You didn't just send to my selfie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what did you have on that one, Justin? Yeah. Uh, Greg got peppers uh, and Paul took peppers. Hobbs dropped that one. All right, moving on to the MMA action for the evening. Uh, our first MMA fight was a catch weight, 195 pounds. It was Arrow X, Timothy Blevins, out of Team Pack Pride, West Jefferson, North Carolina. I mistakenly put him down as 0-1. He was 0-1 in kickboxing. So this was actually his MMA debut. Uh, he took on uh, Chad the Freak Finnerty, coming in at 2-4, and four, independently fighting out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Did a lot of training with the Wolves Den group in the lead-up to this and this one was short and sweet, 34 seconds, a uh, quick takedown uh, just out of the gates, an immediate takedown by Chad Finnerty into the ground and pound, 34-second TKO, gets the three and four. One away from getting that record up to even is Chad Finnerty. Uh, Jeff? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much you can say about it. Like I said, 30-something seconds. Uh, you know, really the most I can say about the fight is, uh, you know, Chad looks like he's getting in great shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell he's really working hard. Um you know, to get himself back in shape. Um, so physically he's looking great. He's looking good. Um, and you know, uh, you kind you like seeing Chad win. Cause I mean, he, whether he's two and four an amateur, no matter what it is. Um, I mean, you, you watch him on social media, he promotes himself. Well, he, um, you know, he's excited, you know, about the process, uh, and, and fight night. I mean, he's always friendly. Um, so, you know, you're happy for him. Uh, I, I definitely wasn't expecting that walkout song. Holy shit. Uh, it was like a damn resume. Um, yeah, there was know. some effort put into that. Uh, it's a fucking Wikipedia or something. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, yeah, congrats on the work you put into the walkout song too, man. You know, I thought one of your kind of unsung uh, winners of the night was Adam Sylvie. Because he come out here, he got a he got a win uh, uh, on his on his own merits in a grappling match. He he more or less prepped uh, uh, Chad Finnerty for this fight, and they got the win. And then under the radar, he also worked with Robert Davis, who although he didn't get the win, I thought he showed pretty well, comparatively speaking, to his past endeavors. And so uh, you know, Adam Sylvie's a guy that Wolves Den group. I kind of usually tout them more as strikers, uh, you know, traditionalists, but they actually showed they can grapple a little bit here. 
Yeah, I think honestly, you're right because that was the best I'd ever really. I think we've seen Robert Davis, regardless in the loss, uh, he looked better. He looked. Uh, uh, you could tell that he. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's a that's a definitely a a solid statement there that uh, the work Sylvie's done with both of these guys is is showing. Where we have on that one, Justin? All three went with Chad on that one. Sweep there is called correctly. Up next, middleweight action, 185 pounds. It was debut fighters squaring off. Uh, we had both these guys fighting for the first time. Gary Claxton uh, representing Somerset Martial Arts and Somerset, Kentucky. Ian Lawler's group taking on Slow Mo Boyd, uh, who had pro- probably the best name of the night, that's for sure. Uh, he is from Boyd Brothers MMA, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, one thing I thought about this one, guys, uh, Slow Mo Boyd just showed a lot of poise to be a debut fighter. I thought that you know, for it to be his first time, he was very patient out there. Uh, he dropped Claxton early. Claxton was able to get up and recover and was very game. You know, Claxton never stopped coming forward. He just didn't quite have the athleticism or the quickness uh, to to keep up with Boyd, who ended up uh, dropping him again and getting the TKO win at 231 of the first round, getting his first win. And, uh, and I, you know, I'd like to see Claxton come back, tune up a few things, and I think he could still, uh, you know, make a run at this thing. And, and Boyd... Uh, looking to make a quick turnaround now at one and zero, he uh, breathes some good life into uh, that middleweight division. Uh, your thoughts on this one, uh, Greg? Which one? You said Bo- Claxton or Boyd? Shlomo? Claxton and Boyd. Yeah, it, this is Gary Claxton and Shlomo Boyd. Okay, yeah, uh, I think I, I don't. I think did I pick against Shlomo here because he was pretty impressive there. I think I said yeah, Claxton he, in the fight as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, shucks. I didn't want to talk about it then because that was pretty impressive for a debut fighter. He was a, uh, he didn't like attack and jump in right when he he saw Claxton drop and he didn't immediately rush in for the kill. He kind of waited, waited, waited for the moment. And he ended up doing good. I mean, he's living up to his actual name, slow mo. He's gonna have a bunch of slow motion, slow mo replays for slow mo. Now, I will say he came into this a little underweight, and I think as he starts to move up in competition, a, a move to, to welterweight may may fit him yeah. a little better. Uh, how did we uh, fare on this one, Justin? Hobbs, pick up the point on that one. Uh, Greg and Paul both took Claxton. Woo-hoo. All right, up next, featherweights. And uh, we had Daniel Gary out of the Goon Squad comes in at 0-2 and yoked. I mean, this dude, when I saw him at weigh-ins, I was like, man, this dude is he's put together. He's, and I knew he was going to be just from pictures on Facebook and stuff. But super nice guy, very enthusiastic, put together. Uh, he was taking on Dustin Garrett, who was making his debut from DC Combat in Murphy, North Carolina. We haven't seen a lot of them, but uh, you know, Dustin Garrett looked, you know, undersized in this one. I think in stature, he's going to be a guy that goes to 35 next time, most likely. But you could tell just from his build that you know he could wrestle, and uh, boy, he did. He he did a great job grappling there uh, against Daniel Gary, uh, the the bigger, stronger guy, was able to hold him down and. Uh, get position on him and finally get the TKO about 233 into the first round. Gary didn't take a lot of punishment. He wasn't really landing a whole lot of real big shots on him, but he just wasn't really improving his position or answering back. So uh, they finally stepped in and stopped that one. Uh, liked working with both of these guys. I think they both got a lot of potential. Uh, and Dustin Garrett uh, was a little bit of a surprise, I thought, just to, to come out there and just dominate physically like that. Uh, your thought, Hobbs? Yeah. Um... There was really nothing that referee Jimmy Neely can do. I mean, we actually talked about it a little bit in the cage afterwards. And, uh, you know, you felt bad because Gary uh, Gary wasn't really taking any punishment. Uh, a lot of those punches weren't really getting through. Um, 
his cover up, but he wasn't responding. I mean, there's only so much that the referee's going to let go. Um, no damage was going through, but he wasn't trying to improve his position. Uh, you know, for a while, he would kind of throw one uh, back up just to uh, look busy. But, um, you know, those 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 slowed down and it was just, you know, a cover up. What I was really more impressed with was that Dustin Garrett never slowed up on your punches. You kept yeah, thinking, you kept thinking, OK, he's about to burn himself out and Gary's going to weather the storm because he's going to slow down on his punches. He's going to take a break. And the kid did not stop punching ever. Uh, and that was impressive. And, you know, again, that's what you're supposed to do. You left the referee no choice but to stop it. Uh, so hats off to, to Dustin Garrett because that dude has got to be in shape uh, to just continuously punch like that with not a smidge of, of slowdown or letdown. How are we coming out on that one, Justin? Everybody was wrong. Everybody missed Everybody. that one. So we owe Dustin yeah. Garrett an interview maybe next week. I would oh, think he's going to be very soft-spoken. <laughs> Uh, okay, moving on. Heavyweights. Now, this one was this one was a little funky. Uh, we had the debuting Taylor Burton, who was making his debut out of Somerset Martial Arts, Somerset, Kentucky. Uh, originally supposed to face Kevin Minard out of Alabama, who gave us all the big fuck you and went MIA about a week out. So, uh, in steps, the late replacement, C.J. Baker, 2-0, independently fighting out of East Ridge, Tennessee. That's down Chattanooga Way for those not in the know. Uh, size discrepancy was uh, grotesque in this one. And I, uh, you know, I knew that CJ was probably going to be pushing the 265 coming in, but then he ended up missing weight on top of it all. Uh, Taylor Burton was determined to take the fight, even giving up a massive height, reach, and weight advantage. Uh, so he was all heart. Um, but uh, ultimately, it was CJ Baker that just overwhelmed him uh, early 16 seconds to get the knockout. Uh, Ian Lawler, the coach of Taylor Burton, real fired up on this one. Because uh, apparently, uh, after the touch of the glove, CJ immediately uh, threw a threw a punch, and so I guess Ian kind of considered that like a sucker punch. Uh, called him a coward afterward. Uh, called him out for a combat uh, BJJ match, actually, with Ian being a pro. Uh, you know, and the weight and size difference, they would obviously have to be some sort of non MMA uh, competition if they were to go at it. But CJ Baker, at the end of the day, moves to three and zero. And is uh, quietly creeping up. He's a guy that, you know, we just don't see him very often. Uh, he just fights sporadically. Uh, but if he were to stay in action, he's a guy that would be in the talks, I would think, for that heavyweight title moving up. He's a huge guy. He's six foot seven. He's got a little bit of wrestling background at East Ridge, even though we haven't had to see him uh, use that just yet. Your thoughts, Greg? No, I think that uh, the, the overshadowing factor of the whole thing was uh, – let me let me just touch base on the few points that I like. Taylor Burton can take a damn shot. Oh yeah, I would like. I would. I mean, he could take twenty or thirty shots. That dude, like I, I don't. I didn't agree with how CJ went about it, but I mean, he did what he had to do to get the win, and he got it quick, and he got out of there, and he didn't do nothing wrong or illegal. He didn't even do anything, in my opinion, that was frowned upon. Me either, man. But, but the corner didn't like it, and I felt, and I felt, I, okay, I, excuse, I think I felt. The feeling of being the Spanish WWF announce table, the commentary table, because that night it seemed like every bit of the action that was going on was right next to the commentary table. Oh yeah, like right next to me. Like I can, and you could hear everything. The corners, not just this one particular, but every every single one of them, you could hear the corners and how mad they were with the opponent or with the with the with just. I mean, just then we've never had this before. It's never been like that. It's never been out of you know. It wasn't out of hand, but it's just 
we never had corners that assort like that and have have fans be that upset about their you know their you know just unsportsmanlike you know and uh but you know when he was calling out cj in the cage i really felt bad for cj because you know cj's just doing what he was supposed to do and then your corners want to call you a coward and, and, a, and a bitch and all this and you want to say all this and i'm just like man you know i mean i, I can't i can't i don't I can't, I can understand why you're mad, but I can't understand the frustration, you know, right now that you have towards CJ, you should be mad at your own guy because as soon as they lock the cage and they say, go, it's, it's uh, protect yourself at all times. Uh, and I'll get off of that now. What are your thoughts, Greg, on CJ Baker as a heavyweight contender? I think he needs to make weight. I sure. think he needs to make weight first, first foremost, make weight because that is the professional thing to do, whether you're an amateur or not, man, that's just part of the game. Uh, if you were wrestling, guess what? You don't make weight, you don't wrestle. And and I think I don't I know I just think you need to make weight. But after that, dude, I haven't I, I didn't get to see his chin get tested, but I know that he can deliver a shot at heavyweight. That's a big big kid. And uh, in my opinion, I don't know why he would be wasting his time in the amateur level. I would think he should probably try to get his get the belt, maybe fight James Garmin or something like that, and then uh, and then maybe turn pro. Justin, how we come out? Hobbs and Greg took Baker on that one, and Paul dropped it. Up next, it was a rematch at 125 pounds. Nick Ferguson versus Rocket Ray Hewlett. Ferguson coming in 0-1, that one being a previous loss to Rocket Ray. Uh, Ray coming in with an even 2-2, and and tonight he would get to uh, his record to the winning side, and he's now 3-2 and after a second-round triangle, a minute and 39 seconds into the second round. Uh, this was one where Ray showed off some of his striking chops. You know, when we've been kind of breaking these fights down, I've, I've generally, uh, I think he, he probably took it to heart. I was like, you know, you know, Ferguson, if he can keep it standing, he maybe has a chance. If he goes to the ground, then, you know, Ray's probably going to wrap him up with those long arms and legs and submit him like he's been doing everybody else. Well, and on this night, he came out flicking out head kicks, really showing that his stand-up is, uh, has improved and was lighting Nick Ferguson up on the feet and then dominated him on the ground. It To me, he probably could have got him out of there in the first round, but I think maybe he's looking to maybe get some cage time, uh, work some things, and uh, ends up pulling off a, a very pretty triangle uh, halfway through the second round, gets to three and two now, and at uh, flyweight now, which is a division that is, you know, uh, not not stacked, if you will. It immediately kind of catapults him up towards the top of the list. Uh, your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, these two are uh, these are fun guys to watch. I mean, I, I wouldn't be upset if these two fought the first Friday of every month. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're fun fights. Now, the thing is, too, look, we don't control what these guys weigh in, whether it's underwear or whatever. I'm going to tell you, Nick Ferguson weighed in at 122 with jeans. A straw weight. With jeans and those big-ass Walmart Brahma Bull boots. I mean, mm-hmm. that probably had two pounds of mud on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he was every bit probably, you know, close to 115, man. Uh, but he's game. Uh, but Ray's looking better and better every every show that he gets on. He's looking better and better, man. Uh, so happy for him that he's uh, uh, he's got his record in the, uh, in the right direction now. And uh, uh, excited to see what's next for him. You know, I think that uh, a fight where we maybe look at, uh, you know, he's got an early loss to Frankie T. You know, maybe we run that back now that his striking has kind of has kind of come along and maybe uh, see if he can write that write that ship. I'm not sure. Justin, what, how, how do we look on this? Uh, everybody got that one. Everybody got that one right. Moving on. Catch weight, 190 pounds. 
It was uh, the 0-1 Will Darley representing uh, Nick Martino's combat performance, taking on the debuting Caleb Holt, independent fighter out of Knoxville here. Uh, the striking exchange is early. I thought Holt looked good. He's heavy-handed. He was landing some really nice shots. Uh, locked up a standing guillotine that he it looked like it was in pretty deep. But uh, he did, you know, instead of turning his opponents back to the cage and kind of locking him in there, he, he left him in open ground and eventually uh, got taken down into it, still held on to that guillotine, burned those arms out. And then he got Von Prude by Will Darley, our second Von Prude joke of the night. Congrats to Will Darley. He goes to one and one with his first win in that uh uh, with that submission, Caleb Holt uh, drops his debut, but uh, from what I can tell, really enjoyed himself out there. Uh, Heavy-handed guy, you can tell, and very game. Just needs to needs to get some things tuned up. Uh, it would uh, behoove him to get with the gym. I think he could he could have some potential. Uh, your thoughts, Greg? I just you said it best. Everything you just said right there. I think that both guys, uh, uh, you know, Holt for a debut and Darley for being an 0 one coming in right. So. Uh, you could tell there was some greenness there, and but uh, just a wide-ass open, you know, just an early amateur wide-ass open fight, and I love that. And, uh, you know, both guys were, you know, they were huffing and puffing, but they were both going for going for dead, too, and Will Darley ended up uh, pulling that off. Like you said, that was uh, – I think I'd like to see both of them back against some new opponents and see where we can go from there. Justin, what we got? What we got? Uh, all three got that one right. All right. Two in a row where we got the sweep. Uh, moving on, featherweight action. Jasper Scott makes his debut out of Kentucky, taking on Elijah Gilberson, one and three, KMAA, uh, coming off his first win ever. And now he gets uh, one step closer to getting that record to even with a first round knockout, 28 seconds in. Always like seeing Elijah do well. He is a real good guy. I, it's, it's no secret. I've ran his ass through the ringer uh, early in his career. Fought some really tough guys, took some really tough losses, has joined KMA and has improved uh, exponentially every fight. One one thing I noticed is that he's just like really good at listening to what they're telling him to do. Uh, and for a guy that's, you know, only been with the gym for six months or so, uh, six, seven months, that's uh, that's good to see. Uh, he uh, has goals of getting his record up to even before the end of the year. And, uh, you know, it looks like he's only one away, one win away from from doing that. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, uh, kind of like the, the Ray Hewlett thing, man. You've just kind of seen uh, the growth, the progression. Is you know, as soon as he got with KMA, he got serious. Um, like you said, this guy starting it out 0 and 3, um, probably not too far away from uh, you know, possibly not getting uh, very many more invitations back, right. just because uh, not because you don't like them, uh, but just because you know, what are you going to do with them at that point? Uh, right. Uh, you're just going to you know wear them out to where. Uh, you know, it's just, it was probably close to happening, man, but uh, he's done a complete 180. And like you said, man, he's like a sponge in the corner. Um, you know, we get the, the privilege of listening uh, to that blue corner a lot during the night. Yeah. And, you know, even your best fighters out there, you sometimes you hear the coaches over there talking about they're not listening. They're not listening. Uh, and, it, and it's the ones that probably most people would expect to listen, but maybe they just kind of zone out. But Elijah, everything that his corners tell him to do, he's doing it. Um, and, and you can tell it's probably even some of the things that he's uncomfortable with, you know, like, uh, you know, you're getting told to uh, get an underhook and, right. and a lot of times, uh, young fighters are going, hell no, I'm not letting go of this arm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know they're going to keep that overhook cause they ain't getting punched. Uh, but he's doing it. He trusts his corner and he's doing it. And so, I mean, you couldn't be happier that now he's uh, two and three. Um, I really want this guy to, to, uh, 
to keep working at it and, and get that get that uh, record even uh, and, and feel what it's like, because I, f- I feel like he's earned it to, to have that record uh, on the right side. And uh, so hats off to him, man. I hope he get, comes back quick, actually. Yeah, I could have said it better. Uh, I actually heard he had a he had a motorcycle accident. He's okay. The very next day, he had a, he had a motorcycle accident. So uh, here, hope he uh, hope he heals up from those minor injuries. Uh, Justin, uh, what's the stats? Hobbs and Paul um, went with Gilbertson on that one. Greg dropped it with Scott. Oh, Greg! Um, up next is when the shit hit the fan, guys. I'm going to get both of y'all's takes on this one. It was originally supposed to be this fellow Chandler Gorley from Bristol taking on Tommy the Whisperer Waller. Duncan Tommy, for those not in the know, even though he's not a Duncan anymore, he'll always be Duncan Tommy to me. Uh, he is, uh, he was, uh, Chandler Gorley pulled out uh, the week of the fight, uh, citing uh, a positive COVID test. So, uh, never could get any actual documentation on that because I asked him to send his blood. He, he said he'd gone to get his blood work done and his blood work came back with po- a COVID positive as well, which, you know, okay, I get that. Obviously we don't want you fighting with COVID, but they're like, I was like, will you just send me your blood work anyways? Cause I just want to fucking see, it. I want to know that you went and got it done. And then he never replied back again. And so I'm guessing that's a big old fuck you to me. Uh, so Chandler Gorley, he pulled and, and in steps LaMarcus Young Juice, Johnson out of Knoxville, Tennessee, first time fighter. Uh, he's put together, you know, he's lean, six foot four, tall, athletic guy. Uh, you know, definitely probably the most, uh, you know, athletic guy that we put Tommy in there to date. Uh, these guys uh, right out of the gate, uh, I expected them to be throwing crazy haymakers, but on, on, it was young juice that came out and immediately shot a takedown, slams Tommy down. Um, there's some rolling around and some transitioning on the mat. Eventually, Tommy is able to uh, to get his back and sink in a rear naked choke late into the first round, 226 to be exact. And uh, Lamarcus Johnson taps, and uh, Tommy Waller goes to three and zero. So a nice win for Tommy Waller, uh, running that record up there. I believe we're going to see him take a little step up in competition here. Uh, next, but uh, unfortunately, this whole motherfucker was uh, overshadowed by the aftermath. The corner of, of, of Johnson, uh, at first, I thought they were mad because they thought that Jimmy stopped the fight too early and their guy was still in it. But come to find out, I think they were angry because they, they let Jimmy, the, they thought that Jimmy let the guy go to sleep. And he, he was right in front of us. He wasn't asleep. He was dog-ass tired. I mean, he was so fucking tired that he could barely move. But he wasn't asleep. Uh, he did tap. Um, all, you know, Jimmy's a guy that doesn't take well to being cursed at from outside the cage. And uh, there was some back and forth. Next thing you know, uh, there is uh, a melee outside the cage as uh, Johnson's corners are uh, being taken off. Uh, at this point, uh, uh, Johnson himself uh, revives enough to try to scale the cage to help his friend. And that's when, uh, you know, the gates opened up and it was just, uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a mess. We got it under control fairly quickly. So props to uh, security, props to Jeff Hobbs for, you know, kind of calming everybody down over the mic and, uh, and props to the fans for just kind of letting everyone do what they were supposed to do in that situation, not letting it get ugly. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Tommy Waller goes to 3-0, and props to him. And, um, yeah, I'm looking at some potential matchups for him, maybe him and, and, and you know, Will Darley, who got a win earlier in the night, maybe a good a good one to line up moving forward. Uh, let's go to uh, Greg first. for your. Th- I'm going to go to you too, Jeff, but I'll go to Greg first for this one. 
man, again, like I said, the commentary table is starting to turn into the WWF Spanish announce table. I didn't know if we were going to go through that because I, like, when Guy walked over there, he was eight foot tall, standing up. Oh, he's super tall. And I, and I was, just, yeah, and I was just like kind of joking around, and I was like, "Hey, yo, dog, man, are you gonna have to sit down," you know, <laughs> just joking around. But he, he kind of got pissed off at that too. Like he just kind of looked at me like. And then sat down like eight foot tall all the way down the stool. And I was like, I was just joking, man. But I think that might have been the thing that kind of started it off, kind of pissed him off. I was like, I mean, we got to sit down. Nobody can see. You know, you're actually as tall as the cage is right now. So uh, then, yeah, he did. He thought that his guy was uh, out and he thought he was just getting overly, overly excessively choked. You know? Yeah. So that's when he started screaming at Jimmy Neely. And then, by the way, man, if there was like a most valuable whatever for the night jimmy nearly was it man because uh not only did lamar johnson like after he lost to tommy waller he also lost to jimmy nearly right after that jimmy was trying his best to, to keep keep the tall lamarcus johnson out of the cage because he was trying to jump out of the cage and jimmy was like holding him down trying to talk him and it was at that point in time i noticed nobody's jump going in there to help jimmy like jimmy don't really have control over it he's trying you know but it was hard you know and uh, I ran in there and tried to tried to just calm calm uh, Lamarcus Johnson down. And then once we got him calm, he kind of just gave out and just laid down. And he was just like, just get these gloves off of me. I'm done. I'm done. You know, it's, it's only I just want to go home. So yeah. uh, I don't know if we'll get to see Lamarcus Johnson again. Uh, I don't know if we will. But uh, Tommy Wilder moving to three and zero. I picked against him. I know I did because he actually made a point to come up to me after. After all, everything happened, and the, the, like the whole night after I was leaving and heading out, he uh, he just like he, you know, I what you think about that, you know, I just you know kind of make me crow for it, you know, and that's what he that's what I did. So that's off in, the in, in, in the in the nicest way possible, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So so respectful, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's I mean, it was crazy. Uh, it's just more so crazy. I mean, how many? I mean, we've had rowdy fans before, but. We haven't had anything like this, and no. you know, I made it a point on the mic, and that's why I was just so pissed. I'm just like, are y'all fucking kidding mm. me? Like, guys, this is not what we do. Like, we've never done this. We've never had this, and it's embarrassing. Like, y'all are embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing us. You know, it's just, I don't know, man. It was just, it was embarrassing as hell. Um, but you could see, you know, everybody's natural instinct is to either jump in, and not to fight, but jump in and help, and everybody trying to pull somebody off. Uh, and it just kind of makes it worse. But uh, the number of yeah. people in the you know, the number of people in the crowd that um, you know really cheered our efforts, uh, and and in turn letting those people know that they didn't appreciate how they were acting. Right. Uh, you know, it shows what the majority of our crowd is is like. And uh, yeah, true. you know, look, we have a kid. We we you know we advertise a kid friendly show, and. There's women there. There's kids there, man. And that's just, it's unfortunate because we need those tickets. We want those tickets. Uh, those are the younger you get them in there, the more years they're going to be fans and keep coming back and, and bring more friends. And, uh, you know, I just, they, they don't need to come back, man, because it's, it's a liability for us, not just insurance, not just on the fight or with the venue, but it's a liability for our future um, that we lose any fans paying customers because they're scared to come to our show because of how 
you know, fuckers act. And, you know, we had a couple that night, you know, we had a lady back behind us and on the cage again with the mouth and the language. And, and it was just, I don't know, these motherfuckers were cooped up for way too long. <laughs> you know, maybe it won't be like that when they're able to come every month and, and get back in a swing, but they were sitting at home too long because they were, they were riled up. I hate that we couldn't give Jimmy submission of the night, you know, um, <laughs> You know, maybe we should have gave him something. I don't know. He probably could use one of those impact mouth guards while he's in there. You're going to have to wear it while he's roughing, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Justin, how we come out there? Uh, Greg dropped that one again, and uh, Hobbs and, and Paul got Waller with it. You know what? I would never have suggested or never have thought that Tommy Waller would be 3-0 and with three submissions. No, nope. you know, you know, he's the, he's the kind. And what's crazy is we talk about him being heavy-handed, you know. Yeah. And so, like, you would think that he would have more TKOs and things like that. But uh, when he sees a sub, he goes for it, and uh, he's been able to he's been able to pull him off. Like I said it'd be interesting to see uh, a little step up in competition for Tommy now that he's got the three and zero. Still a young buck, only eighteen years old, you know. So he's uh, still growing there. Uh, up next, it was bantamweights, 135 pounds. It was uh, Deshaun, two-piece Morton, two and four out of Team Notorious in Columbus, Ohio, taking on the undefeated Jackson Donovan. And uh, he is 4-0 coming into this one, undefeated and uh, looking to go to 5-0. and And he did indeed with a rear naked choke uh, about two minutes in to the first round. Uh, it was um, uh, Jackson moving to 5-0, and probably going to be in contention now, I would imagine, for that 135 title. Although, you know, Jackson comes in under every time. I, I believe 125 is within shouting distance for him pretty easily. Uh, so we'll see if he ends up going that direction or if he leaves that one open for his buddy Rocket Ray to go after, you know. So uh, Deshaun Morton, though, a pleasure hosting those guys. They were great to work with I, uh, out of uh, Ohio. Uh, Morton uh, giving up quite a bit of reach and height, but uh, but it was a, you know, put together solid guy. He was, you know, more, uh, you know, short and stout. Uh, wasn't able to stay off his back, though, ultimately. Jackson Donovan uh, gets it done, moves to 5-0. and uh, Jet. Is that me? Is it my turn? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, no, actually, sorry. This would be. This would be. I went to both y'all on the last one, so this would be Greg's actually. Well, um, Sean Morton is the guy that came down on very, very short notice from Detroit, right? No, that's Matthew Price against Dan Bailey later. Deshaun had been in the fight for a good month. Oh well, hell, I thought that. Okay, well, I know Deshaun was he one and zero? What was his record? Before Deshaun that? was two and that. four. Deshaun was two and four. He was a he was a short guy with a bald head and the beard. Yeah, I remember him fighting because him and Jackson Donovan were uh, tussling there for a minute. And when he did, you know, did it, this, how did this end? TKO. Uh, I want to say it was. I've got rear naked choke written down here, but then the more I think back on it, it feels like it was a TKO stoppage because I kind of remember them complaining a little bit, like that it was a little early. So maybe not. It might have been a TKO. It was a TKO. It was a TKO. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I kind of remember there. I kind of remember him being a little, you know, what, you know, whenever, he whenever was, they stopped it. Yeah, he was upset because he thought that he he was just like, I'm always fun, you know. But yeah, I just okay. But yeah, Josh, you said Jack Norman was five and zero. Yeah, uh, and it's kind. It was kind of similar to the to the Daniel Gary fight earlier. It wasn't a whole lot of damage being taken at all. It was just he wasn't improving. Right. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I I want to see who Jackson Donovan fights next. I mean, I know there's some prospects out there that are that are wanting to fight him. That him that have called him out, you know, by name to me and said I'm well, like to fight who? him. But I mean, I'd love to make it happen. Well, what we got Chance Gilbride. The, 
at the, you nail on the head right there. That's That'd be a great fight. He would, but I just don't. I don't. I, chances and I don't. I haven't seen him at the gym. I don't know where he's been. He's been working, and I I don't know where he's at right now. I ain't got to talk to him. So uh, I don't. I mean, but he mentioned he mentioned he mentioned Jackson Donovan by name at one point in time. So I and I just kind of I, I don't know if you're ready for that one, Chance. You know, but he just said I don't I don't give I don't care. So uh, that's the one that I was talking about. That would be a good one. I'd make that fight. I think it'd be a real, real fun fight. Two very, very solid grapplers. It'd be come down to whether or not Jack, or sorry, whether Chance's striking is is uh, is solid enough to, to hang. Not that Jackson mm-hmm. showed just a whole lot of like knockout power or anything, but he's long and he he uses his uh, his reach and things like that. You know. Right. I, I I don't know. We'll have to talk to. You. <laughs> we'll see oh. in the future. I'm getting excited now. How do we uh, look on that one, Justin? Clean sweep for Donovan. Up next, middleweight number one contender fight. Jason Williams, after seven years on the shelf, makes his return four and six out of Lochran's, uh Boxing and Jiu-Jitsu in London, Kentucky. Uh, comes in facing uh, the 1-0 independent fighter Logan Dean out of New Bern, North Carolina. Logan Dean, uh, able to get the better of this one on the ground, sinks in a rear naked choke about 146 into the first round and uh, punches his ticket. To face Tank Wilson next for that 185 title, um, you know, and Tank's a big step up for for Logan Dean. But I thought Logan Dean looked pretty good out there against a guy with 10 fights. Uh, you know, he had, um, you know, he, he's got wrestling in his back pocket. He didn't necessarily have to just show it off on this night, but it's there. Uh, college level wrestling and an epic rat tail, may I add, uh, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, Logan looked good. Um, like I said in the post fight, uh, uh, and the minutes after that is, I mean, that's a hell of a prize to win. You yeah. Know? It, are you really the winner? You know, when you come out of this fight, uh, when at only one and zero, well, two and zero now, but two fights in, and uh, you know, tank is what's waiting for you. Um, uh, you know, and a lot of people would maybe say Logan, you know, just after getting a second loss, maybe you know, maybe it shouldn't be, but we just don't have a lot of people right now interested in that tank fight at 185 um so props to logan dean for for saying yeah you know i'll be your huckleberry fuck it um but you know until enough 185ers come in and and say that that's their goal then we're gonna roll with uh, the ones that want the fights and uh so props to logan dean uh who was it the tank fought last uh jared short right right so i mean at least Logan has seen that, uh, you know, you can go the distance with tank. You can, you can take them, you know, late in the deep waters and, and possibly have a chance. Uh, I don't know that Logan Gein has got the, the jaw that that last dude did. Um, yeah. That guy was, a, that guy was, was, uh, he was like a little, little brick wall. He was like a little Terminator, man. Like yeah. fucking, he kept shooting them and he kept coming back. You know, he wasn't going to stop. Uh, hell, I don't know. I wouldn't want to see that fight again, possibly, but, uh, nonetheless, Congrats to Logan Dean. Uh, I, I hate that your prizes, uh, you know, that little bus saw that'll be coming at you. And now you said that was supposed to be August, but maybe it's September now. That'll be September now. And most likely the main event, I'm guessing, that'll be an all, another all-amateur show. So we'll likely have uh, Tank in the main event there for that one. Uh, Justin, what's uh, what, what are we looking? Greg and Hobbs picked up the point. Uh, Paul dropped it. Doesn't sound like Paul's doing very good. 
Um, all right, up next, this was a fun one. I knew it would be. Uh, it was our advanced rules uh, Muay Thai kickboxing uh, bout at featherweight. Chance Keller from the Lee Kickboxing Academy in Beattyville, Kentucky, five and five with four knockouts, comes in to face the four and one with three knockouts. Daquan Sutton uh, representing KMA for the first time on this evening. And man, I tell you what, Sutton Sutton's the real deal. Sutton, I'll say, you know, he comes he comes out of that Newport Morristown stretch there in eighty one on I eighty one between uh, Knoxville and the Tri Cities, which kind of includes like Morristown, Greenville, uh, you know, uh, Rogersville, Newport. You know, so it's kind of a no man's land for training for gyms. There's just not gyms there, so you got to either make a decision: are you going to drive up to Kingsport and the Tri Cities? You're going to drive down to Knoxville if you're going to train with a big legitimate gym. Nothing against the Newport Combat Club. They just don't have the the that level of training as you're going to get in the bigger cities there. So Daquan has made that move down here to KMAA. And even before that, I was I was real high on this kid. But man, uh, to me, I'm going to say it. I feel like this guy's got the most potential of anyone to come out of that whole stretch. We're talking guys like John Hall's come out of there and uh, Stephen Haig and, and, you know, guys that are talented for sure. But Daquan has, seems to just have that something special about him. He takes a unanimous decision win in this one, moves to five and one, drops Keller a couple times in the third round. Keller answered the bell. Keller was game. Every time you get one of these guys from League Kickboxing Academy, you know, they're going to come with it. They're trained up. They may not win them all, but they're certainly going to be competitive, uh, as Chance Keller was here. Uh, and so, uh, let's see, we'll be on, uh, looks like we'll be on Greg. Uh, yeah. Daquan Sutton was really impressive. And it's showing against, uh, uh, against uh, Chance Keller, man. Because Chance Keller, all, all they do is that in that discipline up there is uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing. And uh, I just Daquan just kind of put on a put on a clinic of, uh, you know, he was – man came in shape, dude. I'm He's always he's always fascinating to watch. He's mesmerizing to watch. I mean, you know, I can't wait to see where he go with him. But, but, I mean, because Chance Keller ain't no pushover. And he kind of, you know, he kind of just walked through him. Chance Killer ain't no bitch. No, he's not, man. He's tough. <laughs> but he, uh, but Daquan Sutton is just a little tougher. So, but a uh, hats off to Sutton for that victory there. Uh, Justin. Uh, everybody got that one. Everybody got that one. And I'll say we got to introduce a fight for our August card right after that in the corner of Chance Kell or in the corner of both of these guys. Uh, they were going to square off essentially. Zach Fox, a guy that we've. You know, seen come up through the amateur ranks, a guy that went to Thailand for a couple months uh, recently to train right when the COVID outbreak started. Um, he's going to be making his pro debut against the Asian persuasion, Jason King, and what will be a lot of fun. I think that's going to be a pro tie fight. You know, both guys, uh, you know, obviously Zach known only for, for for tie fighting. Jason King, an MMA fighter by trade, but known for his striking all the same. I think that's going to be a little uh, a matchup as we get closer to that one. Uh, up next, it was a catch weight of 165 pounds. Trip Hallman takes this fight on about three, four days' notice after uh, Corey Tier uh, pulled out uh, with pretty much no excuse beyond being bitch made. Uh, he uh, took the fight against uh, the Honey Badger Chris Bond, a uh, guy that we see refereeing regularly here. Uh, on the scene, uh, Chris comes in at three and three. He had uh, joined Maryville Jiu-Jitsu in Maryville, Tennessee, and um, you know Chris uh, gave up the takedown early to Hallman, but was able to latch in a rear naked choke about a minute forty-six in to get his record above five hundred. Chris is a guy you just don't see him fight that often. You know, he's a um, a guy that's been fighting for seven years or so, but just like very sporadically. Now that he's refereeing more often, um, 
you know, that's kind of becoming more his his uh, place in the game, if you will. But always good to see him in action. Uh, props to Trip for taking this one on super short notice. Him and Caleb Holt really uh, helped us out there. And I'd love to see those guys back under circumstances uh, where Trip has time to actually prepare for a fight. Uh, and Chris Bond, I'm sure we'll see him uh, calling some fights here in August. Uh, your thoughts, Jeff? Now, that dude's going to fight again. Chris Bond's going to fight again. <laughs> Quick, quickly. I'm going to tell you why. Because he got a woman, he in love. Oh yeah, you can tell she likes the fights, and she was there, and she was into it, and that's how it goes, man. He's gonna fight again, cause uh, hell, your girl wants to see you fight, not ref. Come on, right, he's, gonna, right. he's gonna he's gonna fight again. But you know, that's, honestly, that's the first time uh, since I've been working here. I mean, I know I've probably seen him in the past. I just know Chris from from refing, and so I was excited. Uh, that was the first time I've ever really gotten to uh, watch Chris fight and notice that he was a fighter and not just a ref. Right. right. Uh, I'm sure I have crossed paths with him in the past and just not known him and not known who he was, but just over the years now, uh, since he started shadowing, you know, from, from that point and, and reffing. Uh, so I only know Chris as, as, the, as a referee. So it was really cool for me to, mm -hmm. to watch him uh, outside of, uh, of that position and, and see that, uh, um, you know, that this is what he did before that. So, um, you know, and again, just like some of these other guys uh, in the card, he he was at 500. So I know it's got to feel good uh, for any fighter when you're sitting there, maybe with a losing record or hovering at 500 to finally uh, step over that edge. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and get your uh, get a winning record. Uh, so, you know, it's exciting. Um, so I, I do. I expect him to fight again. Uh and fight again soon. In fact, I did. I saw on Facebook. I mean, he was asking, what do you guys want to see next, MMA or, or kickboxing? So um, I, I think he'll get back in quick, man. And uh, I'll be excited to watch it again. Everybody took bond on that one. All right. Up next, featherweight action, 145 pounds. Bradley Brakefield, also 3-3, three and three, another 500 guy looking to get his record. You know, he's been a guy that's been just like always 500. He's just like one above, one down. Coming in, trying to get uh, get up again uh, from the Goon Squad, taking on Ninja Nick Wiggly, three and one out of KMA. It had been over a year since we'd seen Ninja Nick in action. Uh, this one went to the second round, and uh, first round was was close-ish. I had Wiggly winning, and but from what I recall, the judges, two of them had him winning, and one had Breakfield winning. Uh, the second round, he ended up getting the TKO about a minute 58 in and punches his ticket to uh, a featherweight title shot. You know, we interviewed Nick on the podcast a couple weeks back. He said that was one of his goals. Talked to his coach, Eric Turner, before this. He said, hey, uh, if Nick gets this win, you know, I'm going to give him the opportunity at four and one. He's going to get that opportunity in, uh, coming up here uh, next month against Alex Pergande, uh, Russian DNA Pergande, uh, one of the, the top up-and-coming prospects on the scene, uh, a guy that we just watched beat Bradley Brakefield last time out, actually, so they've got a shared opponent. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a big step up for Ninja Nick, but he, he's certainly game and, and looked good here uh, in, in punching that ticket to a title opportunity. Uh, Greg? Nick Wigley really impressed me. I know I picked Bradley Brakefield here, and Bradley even messaged me uh, this morning and told me, he's like, I'm sorry I missed your pickup, man. He's like, I, I really thought I was going to win that fight. I said, I thought you was too, but it's been so long since we've seen Nick Wigley in action that you forget how technical he is and how he actually is like a more one of the more well-rounded fighters out of uh, KMAA. And uh, I'm excited to see him get to fight this prospect coming out of Nashville. Uh, but Alex Pergande is 
is is a prospect man he's on another level right now nick Wigley definitely will have his hands full there but like i said we, we hadn't seen him in a year up until just recently and bradley breakfield's a tough opponent for anybody and you know nick Wigley finessed him down and got the victory in the second round so uh i mean pergonde is, is the next step up for nick and uh but he but nick said he wanted it in the case he said he didn't care who it was he wants the belt he wants some he wants some some gold around his waist Jeff, uh, you're from the Nashville area there. Alex Bergande, uh, a guy that, that you're familiar with. You know, obviously you've, you've called uh, probably all of Nick Wigley's fights since he started uh, started at it. This is one I'm sure you'll be interested in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it was one of those things that just kind of organically happened cage side. I sent, uh, you know, a- after that interview, I sent uh, Alex, you know, the, the text message. And, I mean, I don't know if you could even call the kid a prospect anymore because I think he's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think I think he's there. It's just a matter of uh, when he turns pro. But uh, look, he's he's the type of kid. He is. It it is not cocky at all. It is absolute confidence. And all the only question he asked was, "Is it still at 145?" I, I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, I don't give a shit who it is. Just give me my belt." You know, like he didn't care. He didn't care his name. He didn't just. We ain't changing the weight class, right? That's all he cared about. Right. Right. Like, I don't give a shit. His exact words were, I just want my belt, you know? So, uh, he didn't care who, who the fight was against. Uh, he just, like he said, he wants his damn belt, man. So, uh, he's coming, he's come to get it as far as he's concerned. But, uh, you know, uh, record wise, uh, you know, this is a, this is a good fight for Alex too. Um, you know, everybody he's kind of fought up until now has kind of hovered around that, uh, maybe one fight down in the record or a, or a 500 record right. or something like that. Nick's bringing in uh, a solid, you know, amateur record right now with some, with some experience. Yeah. With some experience, you know, a five fight amateur with a four and one record. Uh, so that is still a step up for Alex um, when it comes to, uh, you know, experience and, and somebody that knows how to fight on, on the other side of a record. So, um, so, th- so don't get it twisted. You know, this is, this is a solid good fight for August. Um, It'd be cool watching that uh, watching that belt go. You know, I think um, this will be kind of the fight for Pergande that will kind of complete the uh, you know the the range of opponents that he's gone against. You know, he fought the brawler in Breakfield. He fought the uh, he fought the athlete in uh, Sturdivant. You know, a guy who's not necessarily that technical, but you know, he's he's he he's he can go. Uh, and now I, I classify Wiggly as the technician. Of, right. of, of the bunch. So this will be the guy that's, you know, probably not necessarily that Uber athlete like Sturdivant is, but is going to be more technical, more measured. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see uh, what comes of that one. Justin, how do we look? This one was the difference maker when it all came down to Hobbs took Wiggly on that one. Nobody else did. Oh, well, and here's the deal. Let me put it out there too while we're at it. You know, if Alex uh, were to, you know, win this bout and, and decide to stick around and maybe defend it, I don't know how we don't see Dan Bailey and and Alex if that would work out that way because Bailey with the same record now is Nick Wigley but a little bigger in stature yes. you know a little heavier a little stronger um, you know no disrespect but maybe just a little more well rounded uh, than Nick you know so uh, that's got to be kind of creeping in the back of your mind Tim as as a possibility in the future if things were to work out that way obviously if Nick wins uh, we're not going to see a Bailey and Weekly fight but you know if it were to go that other way that's got to be one that if, that if Alex oh, 100%. 100%. If Alex sticks around 
I think that's a hell of a fight. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And, you know, we're going to talk about Dan here in just a couple more. But, you know, he's a guy, you know, he fought this fight at 150. So he's creeping down. And he was supposed to fight at 45. You know, the fight that he had uh, booked uh, against Jacob Riggs before Riggs pulled was at 45. So uh, the guy they ended up uh, taking this fight, who we'll talk about here in just a moment, they they fought at 150. So he's headed that way. And Dan is a kind of he's a he will at 45. He will have kind of head turning size. Uh, you know, at 55, he's met a guy where, you know, it's been about right. But at 45, I feel like he'll be a, a pretty big guy, much like his brother Ray Hewlett at 25 is like a kind of a head turner at 125. Um, okay, up next, heavyweights. And uh, this one was one that I was excited for. It was the uh, debut for both of these guys. We had Jamel Titanium Taylor making the drive down from Indianapolis, Indiana, to fight for the first time against Julian the Black Cowboy Goins who is uh, one of the head security guys at the venue, at the Cotton Eye Joe. You know, he's been talking about wanting to get in there and do this thing for a while and, and finally did it. He had a great section, uh, crowd section with him there, a lot of support. And he went out there and got uh, got the job done. And with a 10-second knockout, I don't think Jamel was real happy with the stoppage. He did drop him, and that's when Jimmy kind of stepped in. It looked like Jamel was going to start to get up, so – Maybe just a hair early, but, uh, you know, you err on the side of caution with these big guys. And uh, congrats to Julian Goins, who uh, I was happy to see uh, get that win for the first time. Uh, Greg, you've uh, bummed around outside the Joe uh, many a drunken night with uh, old Julian out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had talked to him after this fight, too, and he told me that that was one of the most exhilarating moments. It's not in his words, but. Yeah, you know, this is what he was telling me is the most exhilarating moment of his life. And he told me that he was going to be doing it again. And uh, he really enjoyed that. There was no other feeling in the world like it, just to walk and everything. Talked all about it, man. And I, I was trying to get out of there, and I made the mistake about trying to tell him good job and talk, and talk to him because we I ended up staying an extra 10 minutes talking to him. But I was happy for him than that. But uh, uh, do, do you think that Jamal Taylor will come back down here? He wants to. Yeah, I've already been in uh, okay. talks with him. He wants to come back down here ASAP and, and get back in action. So we'll have him back down here. And Julian – uh, I'll say this from uh, I look over to my right after that fight and who is perched up there calling for him. But Mr. C.J. Baker. Um, you and, you know, I, I like that match, but I feel like we have to be patient with that match. I, I feel like Julian needs another one before we go there. But when we do go there, it's a to me, it's a main event type fight at the gym. Justin, where we got? Uh, everybody took goings on that one. All right. Up next, uh, the feature bout, uh, what we were just mentioning briefly, it was a catchweight 150 pounds, short notice, Matthew Price makes the drive down from Detroit, Michigan. He he was one and uh, one and one coming into this one, and he was, um, like I said, literally 48 hours notice, man. He really stepped up for us, and so props to him for making that ride from Detroit. Uh, very game, and uh, went to the third round with Dan Bailey uh, out of KMAA, who was dropping to, uh, it was originally dropping to 145 to fight Jacob Riggs. Riggs had a back injury brought on by his chiropractor uh, the week of the show, uh, and he uh, had to uh, pull out, unfortunately. But uh, uh, Dan uh, ended up uh, moving up to 150 uh, to accommodate Matthew Price on short notice and looked really good out there. And again, uh, Matt Price was very game, but it was Bailey with the TKO in the third round, 59 seconds in as he moves to four and one. And, uh, you know, all these guys that we've kind of started seeing just come up together from KMAA, uh, you know, a few of them are starting to kind of, you know, 
peak at this point. We got to start looking at them in these uh, these title fight uh, situations. Uh, we'll go to you uh, for this one, Jeff. Yeah, well, you know, kind of like what we just you know talked about. about a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so just you know, piggybacking off that. I mean, I think Dan Bailey's there. Um, I like the kid a lot. I mean, he's he's fun to work with when he comes in and and sits down for a second and talks. Um, hell, I wish I could remember. He had a new nickname. He was really adamant. It was uh, de- 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 uh, Death uh, Death Walker or Day uh, something death. like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was something death related. I don't know. So I mean, but it was cool though because you don't uh, when you talk to him, you don't. He doesn't come off as a person who's you know like really into things like you know uh, like gimmicks or or things right. like that. So it was cool to see him excited about. You know, I thought he was kidding at first, and then he came back like, no, seriously. Like, <laughs> you did write that down, right? Uh, man, and I wish I didn't drink as much as I did at shows because he had a story behind uh, it because he it was, was military-based, I think. Yeah, it was a military-based uh, reasoning behind it. And, and again, maybe that's not the place to try to sit down and talk to me about history. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, there was a, I remember it being a cool story and, and there was thought behind his nickname. So it was just cool watching him kind of get into uh, that next level of of excitement about, you know, not just that, but maybe really promoting himself, you know, finding a nickname and, and things like that. So uh, that was cool. Uh, it was a good fight. It was a really good fight. But I've always been impressed with uh, with Dan Bailey um, at, all, at all the shows that I've you know been there that he's fought on. So, um, like I said, if things go the right way. Uh, you know, Dan Bailey could definitely see himself, uh, you know, in a title fight soon. Justin. Everybody had Bailey on that one. Co-main event. Maybe an upset here. I don't know. Uh, I think that uh, on paper maybe an upset, but in practice, who knows, man. Uh, lightweight action. It was uh, Sam McAlpin from Alabama, uh, Powell Martial Arts Center, the PMAC as they call it. Uh, he is uh, the promoter for AFC, who's having a show this weekend. So shout out to them. If you are in the uh, uh, Fort Payne, Alabama area, you can catch some uh, some good action down there with Sam. He took on the honey, uh, our second Honey Badger of the night brandon mcgee two and two out of gamma a guy that we've seen uh in some great fights you know he main evented against gary sharp a guy that i think a lot of people uh felt was going to be uh the favorite in this just from an athleticism standpoint but uh you know he actually uh, instead of keeping it standing where you know i kind of called this i called this fight completely wrong to tell you the truth i i said if it stayed standing i thought it would be a, a coin toss fight because sam has shown knockout power at the heavyweight level against guys and so i thought it was it was a toss-up i thought if it went to the ground that brandon mcgee would have a, a have an advantage there brandon mcgee forced it to the ground fairly early and then ended up getting himself armbarred for his troubles uh sam mcgee uh or i'm sorry sam mcalpin rather uh gets the uh gets the uh, arm bar in the first round and, uh, you know, really uh, just impressive and earned himself a performance of the night as well. Uh, McGee's fans were not happy about it. I'm not exactly sure, like, what the controversy was in this situation. I don't think, like, there was any improprietaries or if it was just, they are just, like, super mad that he lost. But, uh, yeah, Sam McAlpin, congratulations, Mr. Sam. Um, and uh, hopefully we see uh, the Honey Badger Brandon McGee back soon. He's a guy that always brings a good action fight. Uh, just on this night, he just uh, did. He just uh, it was questionable game planning, in my opinion. Uh, let's go to Greg. Yeah, I think this is probably the point. It may already be past the point to where I started losing the night to Jeff. But uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and, and like, I, I, you know, we talk about Scott Waller 
giving me giving me some some mega meat, some crow, and giving me some hell about it, you know. But he was like the nicest, like the nicest go to hell I ever seen in my life, you know. I'll <laughs> pray for you, man. I'll pray for you. you know that kind of deal. All right. And I walked by. I walked by Sam and I was with my girl and Sam walked by me and uh, just kind of gave him the head nod, you know, like, what's up? You know, and just kept walking. And he just said, piece of shit. And just kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was literally mad at me. And he was like, I can't believe you picked against me, man. You don't know how hard I've been working for this fight, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to surprise you guys. I'm really going to surprise you guys, blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you what, man, he did surprise me. I'm sure you guys were surprised too with his stand up and how how good he looked, how crispy looked, and he was impressive. I mean, and Brandon did kind of bully him to the ground against on occasion, was kind of hammering down some strikes, and Sam got in trouble. But when when he was able to find an opening, Sam attacked and and was the showed showed the veteranism, you know, showed that he's got you know over five fights on his record, and the and but the weight cut was a win alone for Sam at one fifty five. He wasn't he wasn't even half the man that he used to be. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and he and he and he, and he ended up beating a really tough tough opponent that night. And uh, but yeah, for my my vote for uh, you know fighter of the night, it had to be Sam. Man, that because that was a uh, did I? If you ask me, do you, do you did you think that fight was going to end be a Sam McAlpin armbar finish in the first round? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't have bet on it ever. And uh, but wow. Well, I know too. Sitting next to. Sitting next to you, Tim. I mean, and again, I haven't been able to see a lot of Sam McAlpin fights. I only remember the one against Frankie, and hell, that was at heavyweight. Um, but I know you had concern when you were watching it because your history of, of knowing Sam, you were just like, I don't understand. Like, this Sam usually isn't this tentative. Like, what's he doing? Like, what's going on? So, was it a different, was it that big a different of a Sam McAlpin than what you guys are used to seeing? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, Sam's really just known to just kind of be. Like a brawler, you know, just a, just a, you know, not a, not necessarily what you would call like a patient technical fighter, you know. So I was, I, you know, I was impressed, man. It, I, I would, I would have called a, a Sam McAlpin knockout well before I would have called a Sam McAlpin armbar in the first round. So, you know, props to Sam, man. It's a, you know, he went out there and got it done, and uh, and really got some momentum going into his uh, fight week. Uh, Justin, what we got? If anybody would have used their veteranism, they would have been uh, undefeated until this fight. Uh, this is the first one that the red corner took of the night. Uh, but Paul was the only one that took Sam on that one. Nice. Paul gets it done. Main event, vacant 170 uh, championship for the amateurs. It was the Amish assassin, Alan Miller from the Somerset Martial Arts, uh, taking on uh, Blaylock's representative, uh, Carter Beekman. And, uh, you know, this one, uh, I was really excited for this one. I thought we were going to get a war. And uh, ultimately, it was Carter Beatman landing that, landing that liver shot uh, pretty early, man. It was only, uh, I would say, 37 seconds in. Uh, he lands a liver shot, drops Alan Miller. Alan Miller got caught. And uh, Beatman has got that power, man. And if you put it on the right place, especially, it's, uh, it's, it's the end of the evening. And so congrats to Carter Beatman, who moves to 4-1, and one, picks up that strap. And I'll be... Uh, Really, uh, you know, seeing what we can do for a nice uh, title defense for him in Chattanooga, most likely, uh, trying to defend that, trying to defend that 170 strap. Uh, Hobbs, your thoughts on this main event? Uh, I mean, it, it was one of those, again, Miller is a guy that you just hate to see lose, no matter yeah. what the circumstances. Yeah. That dude is so fuck. I mean, I hate using the word sweet. That dude's fucking sweet. I mean, he's a good dude, man. Uh, 
So, I mean, it kind of is one of those that breaks your heart. Like, oh, you just want to go up and rub his head and give, you know. But, hell, I don't know. I call this the fucking Battle of fucking the Amber Crombie ad. I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, they're both good-looking kids, man. Um, uh, Alan really should just play up that Amish thing, man, because that's, that's a cool story. It's a, a cool little shtick. Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, again, I do my job. I don't necessarily know these gyms and some of these guys like you guys do. Um, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but I, you know, maybe I don't know his gym and, and maybe, maybe he needs to get out and, and maybe like a lot of you guys do, you know, Greg and you, you know, cross train, uh, maybe see some other places and, and, and help his game. Cause he looks like he's got potential, man. Uh, you just don't look at him and think he's going to be five and six. You know, right. I don't know. Did he have some really tough fights in the beginning? Has he, is he, yeah, he's fought it? some really tough guys. You know, he's, he's one and one against Parker Wadman, which is two of those fights. Uh, but he's fought some really tough guys. You know, he's got a great build for it. He's got a great yeah. attitude. He's got a great story. He's yeah. the kind of guy that you really want to see do well. And so, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, it's, he's still an amateur ultimately. And I feel like, you know, if he can kind of, Right, the ship and start fresh as a pro. Uh, he's a guy that's really got a lot of potential with those uh, intangible type things, you know. Oh, absolutely, and that's a good thing about it. You go, you, you go back to O and O, uh, and, and you kind of learn from maybe some fights you shouldn't have taken, and you're a little more careful in the in the process and in in you know building your pro career. So, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't jump at you know the, some of the offers that are thrown out there. Uh, so, you know, he definitely can, can write this shit and I'd like to see him do it, but man, hats off to Carter Beekman. Uh, I, you know, uh, I've talked to so many people and again, I'm talking as a guy who fucking has been in this game for 11 or 12 years and never fucking been punched in the face once, but I've talked to many of y'all that have, uh, and it's the same story. They say, you know, you think you've taken a liver shot until <laughs> you've until you've really taken a liver shot and then you realize, you know, and so from what I've been told from even like when Amy fought in Invicta and she went against Felicia Spencer and, and you know, uh, Luke, Dustin, all up, you know, they've just said when that thing gets hit the right way, it is paralyzing. Like you just don't know, like, what the hell just happened to my body? It drops. You're done. And um so, you know, hats off to them for finding that spot. Uh, it, you know, it was a great win for them. Uh, yep. You know, Blaylock Simon B has been around a long time. Uh, they, they produce tough kids. Uh, so, you know, I'd be excited to see what's next. Who do, who do you have in mind? I'm like, what do you see for man? For that's Carter? a that's a real good question. You know, I and I was just sitting here kind of r- trying to rack my brain for some of these you know top 170s that have come through the area. You know, like, what would have Obviously, you know, it's it's probably not going to happen at this point because, uh, you know, I just don't know if these guys are really, uh, you know, in the in the game anymore. But, you know, we saw that uh, that uh, two fight series between Tevin Brown and, and uh, Trevor Peak where those guys just, you know, beat the shit out of each other. I think both yeah. those guys 
be uh, potential uh, good matchups there. Um, and then, uh, you know, man, 170 is just one of those divisions where, you know, it didn't take much to kind of like rise to the top because there's just not a whole lot of uh, whole lot of competition there right now. So it may be a situation where I got to bring somebody in uh, from out of the area, uh, something like that, you know, to, to really give uh, give him a nice test because I know Carter's a guy that probably will uh, eventually be looking to go pro soon and uh, you know, so I want to test him as best I can. Uh, Justin, uh, what did everybody take? Uh, after the fight, Carter said he wanted to go down and take the 55 belt. Yeah, that's another thing he's talked about. He wants to go down and get the 55 belt as well. And ultimately, oh, yeah. where he'll be ultimately as a pro, I'm sure, will be a 155. He's not super tall guy, but, you know, he's, he's thick and he's got power. Yeah. So uh, everybody took Beekman on that one. Overall, we ended up pretty close. Hobbs took the lead with 15. Greg and Paul both had 14. Oh, it's closer than I thought, man. That's uh, I th- it felt like uh, Paul was picking more losers than anything. But uh, okay, cool. So it's only one. Away. That's a good, good competitive uh, showing, everyone. That's going to do it for our wrap-up of Valor 71. Great night of fights. You can, uh, If you want to watch any of the actually you can go to our BoxCast and uh, check it out still. Um, the link is on the VFCMMA.com page. And, um, yeah, we'll be back in action August the 7th from the World Famous Cotton Eye Joe. A lot of pro fights that night, man. We got like nine, ten pro fights that night. So uh, we'll be diving into previews for that in the coming weeks. But for now... Let's jump into uh, a brief preview of this weekend's action. It's the first Fight Island card for UFC, UFC 251 on pay-per-view. Big triple main event, three title fights. Uh, we're just going to go over the main card here real quick, guys. We're getting a little lengthy. Uh, first fight on the, uh, not first fight, but the main event of this one is a late notice replacement as well. We've been seeing a lot of those with the, with the COVID. Originally supposed to be Gilbert Burns uh, vying for that uh, 170 championship against champ Kamara uh, Usman. He uh, tests positive for COVID and in steps uh, George Masvidal. And, uh, man, that's a more, uh, more appealing fight, I think, from a pay-per-view perspective. But, man, to me, I feel like um, the takedowns of Usman are going to be really hard to uh, overcome for Masvidal. Uh, real quick, I'll get uh, each of y'all's opinion and a pick on uh, this main event. I'll start with you, Justin. Um. I, I, I personally like the Gilbert Burns fight better in the beginning. I like Jorge, but um, I thought that the Burns fight was going to be a lot more competitive than, than this one. The odds started out, uh, Jorge was a 3-1 to one underdog. Now it looks like the money's come in on him, and he's pretty close to a plus 200 uh, pretty much everywhere. Plus 200, plus 215. Um, I think that, you know, it, it all depends on... on what style Kamara wants to come out and fight. If he comes out and thinks he can strike with Jorge the way he did Colby Covington, it's not going to play out the same way that it did. Um, I think, you know, Jorge's had Bo Nickel with him for a while now. Bo Nickel's going to be in his corner, who's a much better wrestler than Kamara Usman, and he's a bigger guy. So, you know, Jorge's been around for a long time. Wrestling's not something you can learn, you know, after just a, a couple of fights, but um, it's not something new to Jorge. He's been he's been doing it for a long time. He's just now stepping up to another level of it and gaining uh, a newer respect for it. I think um, over the last couple of years, and uh, I think that a lot of people are probably going to be surprised at his takedown defense um, and his ability to get up. You know, uh, Kamara's controls is not quite the same as um, you know as as some of the some of those some of the guys that have beat 
Um, Masvidal, like Damian Maya's control on top is a lot better than Kamara. So um, I think I think Jorge is going to be able to get up and make it a competitive fight. Um, I'm happy for him that that he got the fight, got the money that he wanted, and you know we're pretty close to it. And um, it's not even like you know people are saying he wasn't in camp and stuff like that, but you know they just decided six six seven weeks ago that he wasn't taking this fight. So he was he's been you know game planning and preparing for Kamara Usman for a long time. He just took a three or four week break in training camp. You know, I don't think it's going to be that bad on him. He's got 20 pounds to cut. I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. Um, and I think you might end up seeing a much more competitive fight uh, than a lot of people are expecting. Uh, Jeff, you got to uh, take on this one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was joking around with friends the other day and I'm like, look, if you're not rooting for basketball, we can't be friends, man. And, <laughs> that, and that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm necessarily saying that I think Maxwell is going to win, but I mean, his story, look how long this dude's been doing it and he's young still, but he's been doing like 16 years, man. And, and you got to give this guy props. Like for the past two months, this guy has been in the headlines about digging in his feet, you know, after signing a new contract. Okay. What was it? Like fight number one of, of a eight fight contract. Yeah. And he, he's not catching a new deal. This dude's probably sitting and this shit, he parlayed this and played it perfectly because now he's got a new deal to take this fight. He got his new deal. He's got his money. He is set. He's done totally. But look, I don't fight for chump change no more. And he, he made it happen. Uh, so you've got to be rooting for a guy that just stood his ground, got what he wanted. Uh, and I'm not saying Maxwell doesn't want to win, but he's looking back like this is where I wanted to be. Win or lose, I'm a really a winner in this. Oh yeah, because uh, I got my money, got my contract, got my title shot that he fully thinks and expects to win. And man, I'm I'm rooting for the dude. I've been watching so many Masvidal fights here lately. Just the the Playboy Mansion fights, uh, you know, uh, the old school, you know, fights. Uh, and so, man, I'm I'm pumped. I, I'm like you know Justin. Now the better fight was the Gilbert Burns fight, you know, but as far as finding a replacement that moves the needle, it gets people excited because, you know, my man's showing up in a damn velvet robe, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And this was the best thing that the UFC could have done to save this fight uh, was to have this man get in there. So uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm pumped, man. No more fights can fall off this card. Uh, <laughs> Because this is going to be – this is the first – these fights since COVID started have really been good. But this is an exciting card that I can't oh, wait for. It's literally – it's legitimately stacked, I think. Definitely pay-per-view worthy. Uh, Greg, you got a take on this main event? Yeah, and I'll go ahead and serve the notion that I was more excited about the Gilbert Burns fight, you know, before this all happened. But just by the good graces of COVID, uh, you know – you know, Jorge gets to jump in there and get his shot. And, uh, but I, I just, I'm seeing some stuff that I don't usually see out of him. He's like, it's like he's already kind of making some kind of excuses. Like, I'm already happy with the way things are going. We're going in the right direction. This is happening already. So, win or lose, I still feel like I'm a winner in this, that, and other thing. But, I mean, yeah, he's a live dog in every fight. But if you'll go back and watch the last fight with Nate Diaz, I don't really think he trained too tremendously hard for that fight, just like I don't think he's trained too tremendously hard for this fight. So if you'll watch that fight, he started to fade and started to gas a little bit, but, I mean, he still had enough power to knock Diaz away from him every time he'd come forward. 
So just for that reason, and I don't, I don't think he's ready for a five round fight. I mean, I don't care who you are in this world. Your gas tank is not going to last for 25 minutes. And if Usman's been training this much, like, and he's been getting ready for uh, the likes of Gilbert Burns, I mean, I got to side of him and lean on Usman a little, you know, a lot of bit actually. I think an X factor that, that, that just came up today was though the fact that Mike Brown is sent home for COVID-19. So I heard, Mike, I heard. Mike Brown will not be in his corner. And I think that's going to be uh, a huge uh, uh, disadvantage for Masvidal is that, you know, you're headed to this fight on short notice, uh, but, you're, but you're with your team, and now your head coach gets sent home today for testing positive for didn't, COVID. Didn't hear that. Yes, no, absolutely. Happened today. Yeah, that's brutal, man. Uh, and, you know, so much of these guys, I think, is, you know, now that granted, Masvidal's got nearly 50 pro fights, so I'm sure, you know, um, he'll be able to handle himself out there. But these guys are such creatures of routine, you know, and so just little things like that being thrown off could certainly affect, uh, you know, just a, his mindset throughout the whole thing. Co-main event, featherweight championship. It's a rematch as the champion, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, 21-1, uh, defends against Max Blessed Holloway, whom he uh, just beat for that title. Uh, you know, and Max Holloway uh, coming in as the underdog now uh, against Volkanovsky, who, uh, you know, man, he just didn't really have a lot of answers the first time. Yeah, to me, uh, this is – I'm leaning Volkanovski, but, uh, you know, Holloway's got a lot to prove. It's uh, – you know he's going to want to come out of there and, uh, you know, and, and get his title back. There's been some things he's been saying about how he hasn't really been able to train. He's done a lot of Zoom training and things like that on for this fight, which is a little unsettling to hear. Uh, one has, has to imagine Volkanovski's going to come ready. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Jeff. You got, uh, you got a pick on this one? Man, I – I don't. I really don't. Uh, it's tough. It, it's a tough one because I think the the last, I think the first fight was closer than you know than everyone remembers. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Volkanovski is he's he's you know they've almost got the same record, but he's the new cat on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think I th- just think he's younger, he's fresher, and I just mean younger as in. You know, UFC cage years, cage bouts, things like that. Um, I mean, Holloway's been in some wars, so I, you know, I don't know. This is to me, this is a pick on. Uh, I lean towards uh, Volkanovski because I just think it's his time um, right now. But Max Holloway's he's an OG man, and uh, I love watching him fight. Um, but I, I'm leaning Volkanovski on this one. How about you, uh, Greg? I got to fade Holloway here just because last time these guys fought was a barn burner, man. But uh... They say that uh, Holloway saying that he's been training on Zoom online, and I know he's lying about that. That there's no way the world champion you're not training on Zoom. I don't even know why you're claiming to be training on Zoom unless you're getting sponsored by him for some reason. But that's stupid shit I've ever heard. Uh, but even with that being said, I've got to fade uh, Holloway here just because of the the way the fight went last time. I even think that uh, that Holloway probably get dropped a couple times. Even if he gets dropped, he's still got a good chin. He'll get back up and they'll finish. I think he goes to decision, but. I'm fighting Holloway here. Justin. Um, just looking at this from the odds, you know, I feel like you could just jump on Max, and you're not going to get Max at this at these kind of odds very often. I think that at the end of the last fight, he started to, you know, to figure out the, the routine and um, getting in the championship rounds. He was winning the fight. He, may, he maybe, maybe he just didn't start out quite fast enough. Um, the training camp rumors are kind of 
I don't know. They're kind of here nor there to me. I think, you know, Volkanovski's is in, he's in Australia. He's not in um, New Zealand at city kickboxing. So, you know, most of his sessions he's doing with his coaches online too. Um, and he's got training partners there that, that his coaches are just running him through. It's not much different than being in the room with you. Um, and I think that, that Max has pretty much been doing the same thing. So I think, you know, if Max can, can get out of the way of some leg kicks and, and really use his footwork and, and his range and do what Max does best. I think that, um, you know, he can, he can really shine in this fight, but, um, uh, if not, you know, Volkanovski just a tank. I mean, the dude was 235 pounds at one point, you know, playing rugby and, um, he comes in there and just steamrolls people. So I'm looking forward to the fight, but, uh, I think I'm going to be having to take a play on Max on that one. All right. And then the feature bout is our third and final title fight of the evening. It is uh, vacant after Cejudo uh, vacated. It's uh, Peter Yan, uh, 14-1, taking on uh, Jose Aldo, 28-6. Lost a couple in a row. I don't know, man. I, I'm not a great – this, to me, is like the least of the title fights for sure. I think this one is, should be all uh, Yan. I mean, Aldo's dangerous, no doubt. But uh, – I don't even know if we should be in this position to tell you the truth. So uh, I got to go with Jan here. Uh, we'll start this time uh, with Justin. I think I'm going to end up taking a parlay with um, Jose Aldo and Max Holloway. I think both of them are super live dogs. I think that Jan hasn't fought anybody close to, to Aldo's level, even though he's, you know, eight or nine years out of his prime. I think that he's still young. And I think he's only like 35 or 36. I mean, he's just, he started so young that we think about, you know, he's been around for a long time, but he's he's not out of, you know, out of his prime necessarily yet. I think this being his second fight, I think he did win that last fight. The judges gave it to Marias, but I think he won. Um, I think this this being his second cut uh, to 35 is going to be, you know, I think it's going to be even a better form of Aldo. Uh, I think that I think Pietro Jan is, is in in for a, a bad, bad night. All right. And uh, Jeff. Man, I. Yeah, I, I hate to say I, I see it completely different than Justin did. I mean, obviously that does not mean I'm right in any way, but I, I don't know. I do kind of feel like Jose's at, at the end. I, I don't necessarily uh, – I mean, I, I think he got this fight uh, based on his history, based on sure. his contribution to the sport, uh, the long uh, – the years um, that, that he walked around as a champion, I, I think was and, – and the fact that it just kind of – missing a contender that, like we said, moves the needle. Um, so, um, I mean, he's, I don't want to compare him in favor, but, you know, Jan fought favor. Am I, am I right? It was kind of yeah. in that same, you know, later years of his career. Uh, it's his biggest you know. fight, but think of what Aldo did to favor. Sure. No, I, but I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, Justin. I'm just saying, I mean, it's kind of the same Kind of the same thing, though. I mean, he's fighting a guy who's probably in the later part of his career. Um, you know, I, I'm just not as scared on the 14 or one and uh, and quality of opponent as, as you are. Uh, it's just that's, I think that's where the difference is. Is as I think Jan is in a contender's uh, status and spot right now. Yeah. I, think, I think he's got a lot to offer. Uh, um, because if he doesn't get this one, I think it would not take him long to get right back there again. Um, where I think if Aldo doesn't win this one, like I don't see what else there is for him to do. You lose a you lose this title shot. Does he have the time to put in to get back there again? 
or, or does he completely throw his hands up and say, okay, 35 didn't work. Let's go back to 45. You know, you don't know. Uh, so I think it's definitely a make or break for Jose Aldo, not necessarily a career, but just where he goes from here, you know? Uh, so I, I'm going with Jan. I think Jan's going to take it. So Jeff and myself on Jan, Justin on uh, Aldo, Greg, uh, what say you? Man, I don't, I I think that I was trying to listen to Justin over there. Like, you're not going to get, you know, you know, we used to talk about Max Hall. You're not going to get plus 170 on Max Hall. You're not going to get, you know, Aldo a lot at plus 180. But then again, Aldo hasn't been the same since he fought Conor McGregor years ago. He hasn't been the same fighter ever since he's got hit. And he's not gun shy or nothing. He's just coming up against, you know, better competition all the time now. And Peter Yon's at the top of the game. Like, he's, He's he's looking for that top. He's looking for he's he's a four. He's here, you know. Yeah. And I think this is his shot. I think this is his time. You know, all those had his reign, and uh, and I do. Those are really appealing odds at plus one eighty. I mean, a world champion dude at plus one eighty against a contender right now. You know, and yet like the Jeff nailed it. Y'all nailed it. Uh, Peter Yon has only fought up to like what favor, and he absolutely. You know, he fucked Faber up. Man. Yeah, he did. Like, you know, he fucked him. He fucked him up worse than Aldo fucked him. Aldo just fucked up his legs, really. You know, but Jan really made made it clear. And you know, Faber was even trying to look at his wife and kids during that fight, if y'all remember, and like giving the thumbs up, saying, "I'm okay," yeah. trying to laugh it off. Wally fucked up. I mean, <laughs> and he just finally just shit fucking just whammed. Like, just, I mean, it was ugly. You heard it. And goes down, and I was like, "Damn, I don't want to see that." You know, so I could kind of—I almost can't see that fight happening the same as all with Aldo because Aldo's got better wrestling than people give him credit for too. You know, he can get a takedown pretty easy. You know, he got—who did he just fight? He just fought somebody uh, Marlon recently. Yeah, he lost right. to Marais. Marlon Marais. Well, I mean, I know that Jose Aldo—he can get—he can get—he he can get takedowns too, but he never goes for him. But he also has really good takedown defense. So I don't see Peter Yan being able to take it to the ground and doing that. But Aldo's like one of the best at standing up and and, and defending the takedowns and keeping it standing. So this is—that's why I'm kind of in favor of Aldo here. But but just Peter Yan just on that. I'm on I'm, Peter Yan just is the, the power he's got. If he's able to connect, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a long nut for Aldo. So I gotta I gotta go with Yan as well. All right, these last two main card fights, I'll just kind of roll into one and get uh, y'all's thoughts, and then we'll wrap up the show. We've got two female fights, and this one, I mean, man, I tell you what, this next one could made event its own show, in my opinion. It's a big fight. It's the it is uh, a rematch. Uh, man, we got a lot of rematches here. It's a rematch between Thug Rose Nama Yunus taking on <laughs> Jessica Andraj. Last time out for Andraj, she dropped the title and got knocked out by Wiley Zhang. And I think there's a lot of recency bias there on the line here because they've got her as an underdog now to Rose Nama Yunus, who she just beat. Uh, Nama Yunus' last fight out was losing uh, to Jessica Andraj, and now she's the favorite. Um, so while I think this is a very close fight and Rose can certainly win, I'll be jumping on some dog money on Jessica Andraj. Uh, we'll go to Greg first this time. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Before you do that, Greg, I'm going to I'm going to tie in this at last. 
uh, main card fight. We're just going to do them together. And they're rounding out the main card, the opening bout on the main card, another female fight, Paige Van Zant. big fight for her. It's uh, it's her last fight on her UFC contract. She's been uh, pretty vocal about wanting to renegotiate, and she wants a, more money. She's not happy with her contract currently. Uh, she needs a win, though, here, and I feel like they're throwing her in against Amanda Hebus, who is 9-1 and one and one of their surging contenders, one they're really trying to build. The equalizing factor here, potentially, is that this fight's at 125. Amanda Hebus has been fighting at 115, so Van Zant may be able to be a little stronger there in those clinch positions or if she gets on top, but uh, she's a massive underdog. Minus 750 on Amanda Hebus. I can't lay that. I'll probably be on very lightly on Paige Van Zant plus 450 plus 500. Uh, and then, uh, so we'll go to Greg first for your uh, thoughts on these last two main card fights and then we'll uh, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to touch base real quick on uh, Paige Van Zant. What was uh, Hibis, What was her uh, her odds again? Paige yeah, what was it that like you plus- just said? Uh, yeah, right. Paige Van Zandt is plus 550. No, no, no. Amanda Robbins. Oh, Hebus is uh, minus 800 now. Minus yeah, 800. Minus Holy shit. shit. Yeah, I, I, was just, I thought she started at minus 600, and she's moved to that. But, like, wait, I was just listening to you talk about it. Because I haven't even been intrigued by that fight. Because, I mean, I just think Paige is hot, and she needs to keep doing what she's doing. I don't know if she needs to fight anymore. Uh, but, the... Uh, but yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna fade Paige, Zant, Paige Van Zant there. I'm gonna fade her big time. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw it in. I can't throw it in eight hundred dollars to win a hundred there. That's that's stupid. <laughs> I don't even like a parlay. I mean, what's the point of parlaying that PC there? I mean, I'm gonna say hundred is just gonna drag everything down. Anyways, um, the Jessica Andrade and and Rose Namajuris. When we watched that last fight, Rose was winning that fight. I think all the way around until like. I think I think Jessica like clipped her and then slammed her, you know. And then even when she slammed her, like I think that uh, Rose was trying to, she was trying some submission, but yet, like I mean, she was out obviously when she got when she got, you know, face planted. But um, this, I just think that we're going to see a different Rose than we did in that fight. But the power from Andre is is is, is something to behold and is something to be scared of and to be wary of too throughout the whole fight. But I think that Rose will be able to like, you know, withstand that, uh, that, you know, that weather, that storm. And, and then later on in the fight, I think Jessica might, uh, fade a little bit and, and we might see Rose come, come out victorious on the decision. All right. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Rose is just one of those fighters to me, like, uh, uh, you know that cliche thing, which Rose is going to show up, uh, where you where you always say that about fighters, and, and she just reminds me of that type of fighter. Like she just always seems like a very I don't know I don't know her personally I've never met her. Uh, she reminds me of a very troubled person. Like could just be just like have these these drastic moods. Either she's really happy and and happy to be a UFC fighter, or she looks like she could care less to be there, and this is all just behind her, and she's like disgusted to even have to fight somebody else and go through the process. You right. know, I don't, I don't know. So it, to me, this is a, which row shows up. We'll, uh, we'll roll on to you, Justin. Yeah. I, I agree with what Hobbs was getting at. You know, if, if I think if the Rose that came in to fight Jessica on last time comes in, I think she, she, uh, is that the odds are, are pretty, um, pretty spot on you know in the last fight greg said you know she was pretty much dominating that fight i can't remember if jessica went for a takedown or if they were just uh, in the clinch up against the cage but rose went for a kimura and um while she was in the air and just refused to let go and ended up on her head um so i think you know it was a it was just a small mistake that cost her the fight um and 
you know, but it's been a long, she hasn't fought since then, I don't think, right? So, uh, she'd been out for a while, um, you know, she, I guess, had a couple of deaths due to COVID in her family, so where her, where her head is, is, is going to be a factor, I think, in this fight. I think uh, Jessica Andrade is going to come to take your head off every time. I don't think that, um, that that's going to be an issue for her, so... Um, uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. I'm, I hope that, that that the Rose that that uh, you know that we saw uh, on her run, you know, against Nama Yunus. I mean, uh, against Young uh, Jacek. I hope that's that's the Rose we see. Um, if so, I think it'll be a pretty dominant performance. Um, and Amanda Hebos and Paige Van Zant at Bovado, you can get um, or not can get, but <laughs> Hebos is a, a minus nine hundred at, um, at Bovado. So that's pretty crazy. I, I think that at those odds, it's not. It, I mean, I think it's a good it's idea to just throw something on on Paige because, you know, she's a she's been around for a little while. Her boyfriend, you know, husband now, I guess is with her. He's a tricky, tricky, tricky guy. Um, so she she could pull out a veteran move, you know, and land a, a switch head kick or something, you know. So, um, it it's an interesting fight. I think it's ballsy of her to take that fight you know on her last fight of her contract um she would play a lot better to to be coming off of a win um than than this but um you know she's a heavy underdog and and rightfully so i think now you can get even money on you can get even money on the fight going to a decision wow that's that's not bad i mean page is tough yeah and again she fights at 125 typically hebas makes 15 Mm-hmm. You know, so it may make her just a little tougher to just bully around, you know. Um, anywho, looks like uh, undercard. We're not going to dive into this. I'm just going to do a quick rundown. If anybody's got anything to add on it, they may speak up. Uh, not a lot for me, though. Uh, Yuri Prochka makes his debut against Vulcan Ozdemir, like Ozdemir there. Uh, Julian Paiva uh, takes on the debuting Zalgus Zumagulov. Zuma uh, Danny Henry takes on Makwan Amerikani, Carol Rosa versus Vanessa Mello, uh, Leonardo Santos versus Roman Bogotov. I like me some Leonardo Santos. He's badass. Uh, Elizu Zaleski dos Santos versus Muslim Salikov, Marcin Tibura versus late replacement Ma- Maxim Grishin, Davey Grant versus Martin Day. A lot of, uh, you know, European and Russian prospects here. It's pretty obvious they blew most of their load on the main card, uh, Justin. Yeah, I don't think there's a ton to be uh, too excited for on this. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be some good fights, but um, I look for Amir Khani to have a, a, a show-out performance, and um, it'll be a, a big opportunity for Vulcan to to show that he belongs in the division or for, for Yari to come in and say, hey, guys, I'm here, and uh, you're going to notice me. Greg, any takes on this undercard? I'm just going to go ahead and say who I, you know, just my picks through every every one of these fights. Ty, uh, Tiberia and Grishin, um, I think that Tiberia might be the better fighter here, but I'm not, I don't really know. I don't know that if I'll play that, but Tiberia is my pick. He's going to suck, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Santos, I was going to take him too against, uh, uh, what's that? It, that's not. Salikov is the king of kung fu. Yeah, no, I'm not going to, yeah. No, we're going to go with, uh, hold on a sec. You're talking about. Uh, the guy that's fighting against Elizu Zaleski. Uh, Roman Bogatov, he's undefeated, but I like Leonardo Santos. He's pretty good. I think I'm going to side with him too there. And uh, 
But all, I think there's going to be a lot of decisions on these. And up here, we got Hendry. I got no play on that one. Uh, I probably don't have a whole lot of plays on that. Zamir, I'll play him. And uh, that's probably it. I probably won't take uh, – what's, what's that guy's name? Muslim Salikov. Salikov. He don't – yeah, he don't uh, – he's only, he's only got like – he's just – he's a tough guy. He's a tough wrestler is what he is. But he looks for that one knockout shot, you know, and like, he, he fishes for it like the whole fight. But he starts to fade because he tries to go for it in the first round. In the second round, he can't get it, and he starts to fade. So, you know, I mean, kind of want to fade him here and take the uh, take the one underdog for the night right there. All right. Zaleski. So, yeah. Oh, and I have to throw this in. Did you guys happen to see the video yet on Mike Perry having the, like, altercation with his new corner man? No. Uh, bar? Yeah, Justin, have you seen this yet? He uh, he got, you know, like, some guy in the background is another patron telling him, like, put your fucking hands on her again, motherfucker. And then, like, Perry turns his, you know, attention to that guy. And, like, UFC hadn't said nothing about it yet, but there's video footage of it out right now. I don't know what, what's going on, but supposedly he's, like, I guess grabbed her, pushed her. I don't know what's going on. I can't, don't quote me on that. I just, I haven't got to see it really, but it's, like, brand new, fresh, just came out right now. The mic you're saying, continues. you're saying Mike Perry beat up his girlfriend no you didn't beat her up they're just saying that like somebody is saying there's like a made an instagram post about it that usc hasn't made they will they will be dealt with accordingly but you know hell he just bought that bought that girl a car too you know like a brand new car uh yeah it's just uh just out there right now like but they said that it's a. Uh, that, that, I don't know. I'm sure the police are involved and stuff, so I don't really know what's going on. But he didn't hit her. He didn't hit nobody. He just, he just might have like shoved her or pushed her, like saying like, well, "Let's go. Let's get out of here right now." After they, you know, I mean, you can't you can't do that. Period. Especially if you're, you know, that kind of status. Anyways, you know, Mike Perry status. It and then, we can only yeah, hope. We can only hope to get Mike Perry status one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Valor Hour. I appreciate everybody for sitting in and recapping uh, the night that was Valor 71. Thanks so much to Jeff Hobbs, Greg Hopkins, and my co-host Justin Watson. Till next week, I'm your host, Tim Loy, and we are signing off. Later. This week on Crush Performance, we look at the return of professional sports as Major League Baseball and the NHL both set the stage as they work their way to starting up their competitive seasons. There's lots to consider here and so many factors at play. We just hope for a safe return. And I'm looking for your help as we consider a change to the Crush top priorities for human performance. Should we add in a fifth factor? We'll tell you what it is and ask for your help on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. If you're a serious athlete, a weekend warrior, parent, or coach, join us each week as we investigate the latest trends and research coming out of the sport performance world. We'll visit with top athletes, coaches, and sports scientists to keep you on the cutting edge and to find out what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance. You can visit us online at CrushPerformance.com and Crush Performance Radio with me, Jeff Kershell, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Radio Influence.